Okay, I think it's almost it's almost nine o nine o'clock, uh, and thank you, thank you, everybody for um, for joining in. Um, you know, this is my first time doing a podcast like this, and so I'm not sure how this is going to work. So if anybody wanted to send me a text and telling me that you can hear all this stuff, I think we have a good number of people. Uh, I think we have 31 people right now online, and I know Joseph is out there waiting for me to tell him to go. Uh, there is no plan here in the sense of what's gonna, what we're gonna talk. We're just gonna have a good conversation, and and I think I know jo uh, Joseph. We always call him Jojo for um, for the last uh, 12 years, pretty much. You know. Uh, and um we've had a great relationship as swimmer coach and now we have a good relationship we've, we've always had a good relationship as uh as friends you know uh, he's been kind of part of my family uh and um it's been very good so i'm very happy joseph uh jojo are you, uh, are you there hola sergio hola. Can you hear me? yeah yeah i can hear you perfectly you know i know a lot of people well we have uh, so far, I think, 38 people um, logged in. Awesome. It's exciting. Um, I think, um, thank you very much for agreeing to have this chat. Uh, it's going to be my pleasure. Yeah. Um, I know you were here a few weeks ago uh, and we had, we had lunch at home um, uh, before you went back to Singapore. And mm -hmm. the idea with this is just to, you know, chat and 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 not, i don't have i've been thinking about maybe having a set of questions to ask and this and that but but i think most important is that uh, we just talk about things and if the people in the audience wanna um wanna uh ask me a question or whatever uh just type it and then we'll see if we get if we get to it right um uh joseph uh what you know i know i know you know you've been you you graduated a year and a half two years ago is that right from yeah i i graduated in the fall of 2018 so yeah it's been around almost coming into two years now it's oh, been interesting man yeah life after um collegiate swimming has been interesting for sure going pro and everything that's happened in the past few years so well yeah i remember you know when you when I first met you in, in you know, uh, at the Olympics in Beijing, <laughs> and then um, you were like a little booger, and um, and then you came to bowls uh, very young, and <laughs> uh, and that was a big uh, cultural shock, you know. I, I remember absolutely. Yeah, I remember telling you that. I think when your dad came to bowls to kind of interview me, if this would be a good place, and you know, and I remember him. Uh, asking me about the hours that you would train and and the things that you would do and and I told him that I didn't think that you could practice more than six times a week at the beginning and he was mm -hmm. a little bit surprised and just because I always believe that the the most important thing is for somebody coming from so far away and at that young age is it's to adapt to the culture you know and I remember you know coming to bowls and living with having a roommate having to do your own laundry and having to do all that stuff, uh, I bet was a pretty big cultural sh uh, change for you, was it? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, it, I think 
till this day, the cultural shift from me coming over at 13 from you know, very, very conservative Singapore, as you've seen um, during your time as head coach here and going to the U.S. It was massive. You know, like you said, laundry, I know these things sound like very basic um, things that we go through on a daily basis, right? But growing up in Singapore, you know, we have domestic helpers over here. That's, uh, that's part of the cultural norm, right? 70% of people in Singapore have um, nannies or or helpers at home. So I didn't have to make my bed. I never had to do any laundry. Um, my dad had a driver, a chauffeur, to take me to school every single day um, and take my dad to meetings in between, you know, while I was in class. So I, I think it's safe to say that I lived an extremely sheltered life up until 13, having to go to the U.S. and uh, whenever he got there, yeah, laundry was a big part. <laughs> Funny enough. I, I, I but, remember you were stressed out about going down down where the laundry machines were. And not just you. Because <laughs> it was a very scary place. <laughs> People pay a lot of money at balls. And I think they should have a better laundry facilities. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I had to freaking carry my laundry all the way up. No, I'm kidding. It, you know, like... Laundry was one of the smaller things in bowls, but I think also, you know, like the people, I remember whenever we had that first meeting and, you know, me, mom and dad were walking in the corridor outside your office. And I think it was after a big meet and the summer and your hair was all shaved. And I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like, what am I getting myself into? Is that my coach? And life is funny, my friend, like 10, <laughs> 11, 10 or 11 years down the line, you know, I, I never imagined us being in this position and the relationship that we have today. Um, it's truly we, remarkable. Uh, we had <clears throat> we had some pretty interesting downs in our relationship. You know, it was like, <laughs> like uh, I remember you calling me names in front of everybody on the drive-in room. Um, okay, I I still I still can't remember uh, that. Oh, I, I, I think you will, you will look at me, and and I remember one time you look at me. You were. Uh, I don't know if you work with the medicine ball or doing something on uh, laying down on the uh, on the trial and room, and you said something pretty bad to me, like <laughs> that I can I cannot say life here, but um, I think that was you like, off the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my boss, my wife, they, she's somewhere down there will kick me off the show. You know, actually, <laughs> for this, for this, uh, uh, for this podcast or whatever because of the microphone and all the noises i'm inside the closet <laughs> i just got like but uh but yeah i think i think um i think what i really enjoy with the swimmers and more balls because we had a, a a lot of young kids and we didn't have a lot of borders but there were a good number of people that they left home when they were very young and i remember it was a, a very you know, you learn how to be not. You know, I cannot say a dad because you don't want to be a dad. Uh, they have their own parents, but you're responsible for all these kids. And many times, you just, you just go home and you, you just think about, "Wow, did I react well? How can I help this person?" And so it was very interesting. And Absolutely, we. I think we had a lot of interesting people on the team for all sorts of places, but also I think the team dynamic. Right. I mean, looking back. Um, when you're going through something like that with high, in high school with, you know, Ryan, Caleb, Santo, um, Josh Booth, um, junior nationals, we just 
we were the team to beat, you know, and we were the, the team to beat for so long. And just having that culture, when you're in that culture or you're going through that, you don't really realize how special that might be, right? But the, all the people around us, the coaching staff, people from other teams, they they knew it because, mm-hmm. you know, outside looking in, it's a whole lot different than inside looking out. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I think just in hindsight, looking back, um, no regrets going to Bulls at mm-hmm. all. No regrets having the team that I did, the friends that I've made, the relationships that have been forged. And, man, life is so interesting. It's so interesting yeah. as to where it can take you sometimes. Yeah, because I remember this, the same way that you that you felt that way when you went and visit Bulls. Uh, I remember the first six months that I was at Bulls, I didn't know why I was there. You know, I know it sounds mm-hmm. sounds bad to say that, but you know, when I left college coaching, I left because of my mom, and she was in in some sort of uh, trouble in Spain, and uh, I had to bring her here, and I had to leave college coaching, so I found a job at Bulls, and yes, I knew that the prestige and everything. I felt so lucky to have that job, but I remember walking on the pool deck thinking, what the heck I'm doing here, you know? And it was a very big learning experience for me too. And and more very quickly because besides, you know, the local kids, you know, thinking about the responsibility you have with with the borders and, you know, with the other coaching staff. So so that was um yeah, that was a, a big learning experience. But but you know, how how has has it been the transition from from you know going from Bulls, I guess, to Texas and from Texas back home. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what what, what can you ch- share with, with us? You know, I know, you know, I, I've been talking with you for the last, you know, through the whole time and and I've been very blessed to be able to be with you at, at different meets, even though if I, I wasn't your coach. And so I, I, I know some things and I've seen some things and, but what can you share with us about, it? you know, my transition from here to here was this and from here for, to here was that? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So my transition from Bulls to college to Texas, um, I think you remember you always told us, like, look, I can push you guys. And you said if you really wanted me to, I would have been 152 to fly coming out of high school into university. But chances are I wasn't going to finish my four years of university, you know, I was going to hate swimming so much and just be so burnt out that like, why are you going 152 out of high school? Like, is that really necessary? Do you really, do we really need to be at that point? So I think you do the best job at setting swimmers up. It's very selfless. Yeah. You, you do a good job at setting swimmers up for the next stage of their lives. And even though we swim fast, that was just how talented we were as a group. Also, um, going into university, transitioning, seeing all the things that you teach us in high school, like, all right, take one, one step at a time. These are very, 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 you know, common things that we all probably know, but I do believe that we take for granted sometimes, right? We overlook the simple things. We try to try to complicate life too much. And I think you, that's what you did. You taught us the simple things, which in the big picture are actually very, very important things, you know? So going to college, I had that good foundation of, you know, physical shape I was in and also mentally that maturity I needed. Um, going to University of Texas was one of my dreams, you know? Um, it would have been nice to have Ryan there uh, training with him, but also 
the team that I had, I was very blessed to have Jack, one of my best friends, Wola Cone, Trip Cooper. Um, while he was still there, also he came back to swim with us a couple years post grad, and yeah, man, like we had we had an amazing group, a phenomenal group over there. Um, after university or before the end of university, 2016 Rio, we all know what happened over there is great, and you know. My friend, looking back, if I could change one thing, um, without a doubt, I would have redshirted my junior year of university. Uh-huh. Like, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I should have taken that year off. Um, Eddie, Eddie was pushing me to come back. Uh, I tore my bicep twice um, during the first semester, missed the invite meet, couldn't qualify for NCs, and found myself, like, backpedaling. Um, for the next year and a half or two years to get over that that grind uh, to put myself back in you know the spot that I was in going to NCAA as my junior year so I think yeah just just taking the whole year off and not having to be rushed back in would definitely be um, my number one choice and it should have been what I what I should have done yeah but I think so you know hold on Uh, sorry sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead I was going to say just, you know, after university transitioning back to Singapore has been interesting, you know, coming back to the culture over here, um, having more, more responsibilities, um, being in a small country like this and uh, the responsibilities you have to shoulder. It's, it's a good spot to be in. It's challenging. I enjoy it, but it took me a few years, you know, up until probably um, maybe a couple months ago, whenever I decided to come back and join you in Virginia Tech, I think everything started to click then, right? All the lessons, all the struggles, all the grinding that I've been through. Like, I know I'm ready to swim much faster than what I have been the last two or three years, but it's it just needs to be at the right time for all of these things to internalize all these lessons to click. And, you know, the Olympics next year, hopefully, um, trying to put myself in the right spot to do the things I want to do. And I believe will be very, very different than, you know, 2018, 2019, even 2017. So yeah, man, just interesting, yeah. interesting journey. It's been. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think you, you, you're right on the spot. I think the hardest part with, with success is in, and I'm not talking success at the Olympic level. Now we're talking with an Olympic champion, but I really, and I think we talk about this when we're uh, when we're at bowls, and it's one of the things that I learned the hard way too. You know, uh, success is is a state of mind, but when you become successful, you lose ownership of who you are. You know, and and you can you can be the best the best swimmer in your summer league. That year after year, you start having more responsibility from your parents, from your peers, and everybody wants you to win. And if you don't win, and you don't do this, and you don't do that, or maybe sometimes you lose excitement for the competition, people just are not happy with you. And most important sometimes is the perception that we have. You know, I remember like it's not at the level that you, you've been, but you know, when I got the medal in the Olympics in 88, you know, I was the first medal for my country in that Olympic games. So they were waiting for a medal. We only got four medals, one in tennis, one in uh, uh, sailing, one in um, shooting, and then my medal. So it, it was such a thing in my country. And the, when I came back, I felt that I had no life, you know? And 
that's a very hard thing to to do, you know, to to sustain. You know, people talk about mental health nowadays. Uh, this happens at all levels, you know, and it has happened to so many of us, you know. Um, but I, I'm 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 happy that you you in in, in in the right place. I think I've always believed, and we talk about the moment in time. That's what I call this thing. Uh, and the moment in time is is being able to stand up on the blocks and, or, you know, give you hundred percent with no hesitation. And mm -hmm. you can cry five minutes after because you didn't reach your goal, but then you, you can walk away feeling, wow, you know, I, uh, I did the best I could at this moment in time, you know, and Absolutely. I know, yeah, I, I know we've, we've been at many international meets, you and me sitting and having some interesting conversations before the races, you know, and many times, um, you know, uh, I, I can see that you're a little bit lost and you, I don't know if you could see it, but I was a little bit lost too, you know, and, and you're trying to figure it out, how to calm people and how to calm yourself. And so it's a, it's a very hard thing, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm happy. I think, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, I was going to say, I think the most important thing, um, Touching back a little bit on what you you brought up a bit ago, you said that you know when you got back from Spain after the Olympics, um, you didn't really have, you know, you didn't really know what was going on in your life, right? Like you felt like nothing, like you didn't, you felt like you had no control of your life, just because so many other people had, you know, part ownership in your life. Um, that that should make sense, you know, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing is. We, as athletes, not just swimmers, you know, tennis players, golfers, um, football players, I think uh, such a big part of our confidence and um, our identity is tied to our sport, right? So when I walk around and if someone comes up to me that doesn't know me and says like, oh, like, hey, you're, you're that swimmer, you know, like sometimes they don't, they might not get the name but they know that you swim. So everything that you do, um, whether it's out of the pool or in the pool, they're going to associate you as a swimmer, you know? So you start walking around, you start thinking, it gets to your head after a while. You're like, yeah, all right. If I don't do well in the pool, then like, am I really as worthy as all these people think or think that I am? Or, you know, you, you start doubting yourself and you start asking more questions. And I think that goes back to just, you need to understand your identity. What what have I learned the past few years? I've learned that, look, swimming opens a lot of doors, but at the end of the day, I want to be known for how I am as a person. You know, he's like polite. He's a gentleman. He's, you know, caring towards others, shows empathy, like things like that, right? You're trying to help other people. So I think once you start getting a good grip on, there's more to life than just swimming. There's more to life than just your sport. And you can affect change in a positive way, not only by swimming fast and, you know, winning all these medals, but also, you know, how you treat other people, how you approach life, how you, how you feel as if something should be done, you know, things like that in a positive way, contribute to the community. And I think once you see yourself able to do that, the whole swimmer talk thing, I'm only as good as my swimming is that becomes bullshit and you know, that just flies out the window. All of a sudden swimming doesn't seem as important anymore, but you still know it's important, but it's not the most important thing. Does that make sense? It feels oh, like I, a huge 
it feels like a huge weight has been lifted off your shoulders. And mm-hmm. uh, a direct byproduct of that is swimming faster. You be happy mm-hmm. out of the pool, you're going to be faster in the pool. Oh, I, I agree 100% with you. Eh? 100%, 100%. I remember at the 92 Olympics, I was ready to, that was my second Olympics, it was my hometown in Barcelona. And I was ready to, my mom, my, Sandy, the, at that point, we're not married, but we're going out. I told them, this is it. I'm not going to swim anymore. Uh, and, and then I, I, I raced in my hometown, in the pool that I trained for a long time. There was thousands of people that I knew, and I get fourth. I swim two seconds slower, a second, a second and something slower than my best time from two years before. And I remember the first thought that came into my mind was, wow, I cannot stop swimming now. Don't ask me why. And I told my wife and I told Sandy, and I remember coming out of the pool and it took me 45 minutes to walk a very small, uh, uh, you know, very small um, road, you know, and I remember everybody telling me and they did it in a very nice way. Yeah. But they don't understand how hard, how, how, how much damage the words can have. Sergio, what happened? Wow, you didn't look that good. Oh, wow, you got beat by three seconds by your training partner. Oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And, and that becomes part of why you lose ownership of, of your swimming, you know? And it took me four years to come out of that hole, you know? I kept training and I kept training, I kept swimming and I swam horrible. You know, I could swim really good times in off events. And then, but then I realized that it took me back when I was 12 years old 13 years old that I was not a very good swimmer. And then uh, uh, that I appreciated swimming for something else, you know, and that I, if I wanted to be a coach, like I always wanted, I had to help people understand that, you know, and that's something it's, it's very, it's a big problem with, with athletes, with every, every person in the world. But when you lose ownership and identity of who you are, I think, and, you know, and it's hard, you know, I'm happy that, you know, we talk a lot more the last few months, and you know, I'm happy that you feel good, and you know that things are going better every time. You know, so it's exciting. Absolutely, I think mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the things I've learned about coaching is, you know, the best coaches in the world aren't aren't the ones that can give you know the hardest set or you know the toughest thing. It's it's like a huge pissing contest, isn't it? Sometimes when two programs come together, I know we've had, I know we've had um um like combined practices after dual meets. And I remember my junior year, I came into practice um, slightly hungover, maybe, maybe, we, you know, we, we had, we had a late night the night before. College um, we got our butts. Yeah. We got our butts. <laughs> we got our butts handed to us by NC state and my favorite team out there. Anyway, uh, we, they, they killed us at home and we have a combined practice the next day. And we're just like coaches are thrown out, you know, they give one set, the other coach gives another set. And these are hard, these are hard sets, man. And we don't do sets like that after, you know, a string of dual meets we had that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ultimately at the end of the day, back to my point, it's not how, how hard the sets are, but how your coach communicates to you. I think you and Eddie Reese, Chris Kubik as well, the three of y'all, are the best communicators in the world. And also some of the coaches, the older ones on the U.S. team, like Jack Roach, um, he does, or um, 
what's the Georgia coach's name? Oh, the Georgia oh, coach Bowley. also, Jack Barley. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jack. Jack does a really good job at you know just talking to you. Mm-hmm. And when you go up to them and you talk, you don't talk about swimming, right? You expect to talk about swimming, but they just talk to you about life. You know, like hey, like you know, how's your girlfriend, for example, or you know, like you try the food over here or this and that. You know, just something completely unrelated to swimming. And that's great, you know. Sometimes we need to distance ourselves from, all right, what are we doing, our sport versus mm-hmm. what life is, right? And then you taught me how to live life at a higher level, and you know that's that's a life skill that you know I think everyone should have, right? Sure, I, I think so. I think I think when you try to talk with athletes or coaches on the pool deck, and you talk about life, it it ends up relating to swimming, you know, because. Uh, because you can talk about your girlfriend, you can talk about issues that you have with the school, with not school, with whatever happened that you got hung over after a meet, and and you can find you can find like empathy or some solutions or some ways of looking at things from people that care from you and they know that they want you to to swim at the highest level. You know, I know Jack Roach is one of the best minds that we have out there in the sense of like. Uh, I've never been able to watch him coach, uh, you know, a couple of times we've been in the national team together in the junior national team, but, but he's an amazing mind and he, he's, he has such a knowledge of experience from everything that he's gone through life that he can sit down with you and make you feel in peace, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think as a coach, I think that's the important part, you know, and I think you nail it on the, uh, on the head, you know, like I think, uh, Coaches are more psychologists than than uh, physiologists in in a way, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely, so I totally yeah. agree with that. So now, has you know, how's the quarantine thing going on for you? Like, <laughs> I know, I know, Quarant- I know. When well, we were here before before you left, uh, we were practicing once a day because we didn't have a pool, but it was okay. And I know Blacksburg is probably. Uh, I don't want to do negative recruiting here, but if Farida is listening or some of the prokis that we have, <laughs> it's probably not the uh, the funnest place in the world. <laughs> and no, it's, very as... quiet. it's very quiet, but uh, but at least we had a routine. And, you know, um, how how's it been going? I know you had to be in quarantine for two weeks and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in the wise words of the great Farida Osman, um, she says that Blackbird or being in Blacksburg or a place like that makes you more susceptible to feeling more emotional. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can, she, she I can said, assess for that. <laughs> yeah, she she said you just feel things more in, in Blacksburg, which I've had the privilege of understanding why she says that. But, you know, like coming, coming back to quarantine in Singapore, uh, stay two weeks in a hotel, mandatory. Um, instructed by the government and after the two weeks um singapore went into this like lockdown but we call it circuit breaker you know lockdown circuit breaker they're two peas in a pod same thing but one just sounds less intimidating than the other (laughs) so um we've uh we're not able to see anyone from outside our household and that's been going on for you know coming coming to around almost a month uh, maybe three weeks so far. Uh-huh. So that's, yeah, that's been interesting. Trying to get some work in. Um, no pools are open. So, you know, we're just doing some work. 
um, dry land wise, trying to keep strength up, but also doing some hypoxic stuff. So if we're not allowed to swim, um, we're not, not allowed to go to anyone's house, just trying to pick up new skills, um, spend more time with mom and dad. It's been, it's been nice. One of, one of the things that would be interesting to talk about is like the maybe jump going back to um, to the transitions from Falls to Texas, from Texas going back home. Uh, because you know, I, I know for example, a lot of the when I recruit kids uh, when they're freshmen here, they ask me if they if they should stay for the summer, and I always tell them you need to go home. Is that why? It's like honestly, if you have a club that you can train, you go home. Because it's kind of a reverse psychology, you know, like you go home and you have to live with your parents or you have to be in, in a certain place that you haven't been for a long time and you have different habits and this and that. How was your transition? You know, and for me, it's easier when they go home their freshman year for them to stay with their sophomore, junior and senior year and be happier, you know, because the friends from before are doing all, total, totally different things. Some of them live at home. And after a week, the honeymoon is over and the parents are asking for this, for that, for that. So how was your transition from having a certain life in Texas, in Austin, uh, to going back to, to Singapore, you know? It was, extreme, it was extremely difficult, extremely uh -huh. difficult. Um, probably one of the defining moments in my life, that transition coming back, you know, it was, it was something that was bound to happen. And in a way, I kind of wish that um, I could adapt to the Singapore way of life or the Singapore lifestyle, the atmosphere over here, the mindset a little better. But the reality is, you know, I was, I spent, I spent 10 years in the U S and out of those 10 years, when I was 13 years old until I came back when I was 23, um, like I've done most of my growing up in the U S you know, at a more matured level. Yeah. As no doubt, I was born and raised in Singapore, but at the same time, I think I was just more accustomed to the lifestyle overseas, the freedom, um, going to the U.S., walking around was a lot easier than it is over here. And it took some time to adjust, Serge. Um, oh, I yeah, I don't, I don't think any words can describe, like, there, there's nothing or no one that can prepare you for that transition back. Oh. There, the, ol the only thing that can get you from one end to the other is mm -hmm. going, going at it head on, you know, sure. just it. I just went through such a rapid pace of change and growth mm -hmm. and it, it just almost caught me off guard. You know, I, I wasn't prepared. I, I wasn't prepared to, to buckle down and go through all the changes that I, that I had to go through to end up where I needed to be. Sure. Um, starting with living situations, um, going from my own apartment, the two better in, in Austin to, you know, coming back and living with mom and dad um, was was definitely a, a tough one. But, you know, it wasn't only tough for me, it was tough for them, right? They're oh, learning to deal with living with me. And of course, like I threw a lot of temper tantrums and you know, I was unhappy with the way things were and it wasn't anyone's fault, you know, it was yeah. no one's fault. It was just that period that it was a lot of push and pull internally for me of like, like I said, in Singapore versus the U S and 
yeah, I just had, I just had to, I just had to grow up. I had to do a bit uh, more maturing in in this phase of my life. But, I know, for I know, for example, um, it has it's a very hard thing that people don't. Uh, we should have uh, sports psychologists or people helping people make those transitions because I remember uh, I came from Spain to America and. Uh, I came to America in 1987, didn't speak English. F- f- four years later, five years later, I moved back to, to Spain. And I set up a couple of businesses. And I remember uh, I, I set up this big uh, conference with all these great coaches. And I had to do all these photocopies. At that time, you would make all these photocopies of booklets and things. And I went to the photocopy store and and in Spain and pick up my my order and I look at my order and each each package was wrong and I asked the guy and he looks at me and he's like well that's not my problem you know it's like well you need to fix this he says no if you if you want me to fix it you have to pay again and I'm like what and that I almost wanted to beat the crap out of that guy I was going to jump <laughs> on, on because when I was used to it like before I left Spain that was normal for me I could hear people talk that way but when I was in America um like I met Sandy in school, and one of the things that I guess I learned is about customer service, you know. And I, uh, my 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 uh, my wife Sandy, she used to work at Kinkos. It's now called FedEx. In the past, a lot of the universities had these Kinkos stores that, that they would do packages from for the teachers, and I would sit for hours there just to watch her interact with customers. And, and and sometimes the customers were so rude, but she will fix things and fix things and then, you know, be always nice and then go back to her office and maybe cry or be upset. But, but you know, for me, that was a cultural shock. You know, before, f- four years before, I, I would have reacted, okay, you know, if I have to pay, I'll pay. But now I, I couldn't understand how they were so rude. You know, this is, you know, I'm paying for this and you're giving me, I didn't ask for this job. I asked for something else. So I remember for me, it was a very hard thing. Very, very hard. And when I started coaching in, in Spain, I left because I couldn't handle it. You know, I couldn't mm-hmm. handle the thought process, you know, and that's why I came back to America and started coaching in America. You know? yeah, and I'm not saying think- it's bad. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. Eh? It's just, uh, <laughs> it's so different. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, we're all individuals and what what you might like the other person might not like and you know vice versa it's it's all about finding you know what makes you feel most comfortable what makes you feel the happiest being happy in life is you know the most important thing and like if you're not happy in a place do something about it you know say something or or change it like play an active part in fabricating the correct atmosphere for you I think also coming back to Singapore, like there was there was a great atmosphere of coaches, you know, support staff. Uh, Singapore Swimming supports me a ton. Um, they sent us on a lot of camps, and also the interaction between the coaches and the swimmers. I think right now we probably have the best group of coaches uh, Singapore Swimming has ever had at a single point of time. And you know, it on paper it it might look good. Uh, but if it's not for you, it's not for you, you know, like you, you just, yeah, that, that's just one of the things you got to be honest with yourself and going like you thought um, you left Spain to come to the U S to swim and then 
train, start a family. And the U.S. was, you know, like the bulk of what you knew or what you were comfortable with. You developed that. You grew into that. You matured into that. And for me, going to the U.S., you know, I, I always saw the U.S. as, you know, what you see on TV, right? Never been to the States before. You thought this is going to be like Hollywood, <laughs> things like that. So that was my image of the U.S. Now, with that image in mind, did I ever think that I'd love the U.S. as much as I do today? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Not a chance in hell. But at the end of the day, looking back, you can't explain some things. You either like it or you don't, and you know what those things are. Sure. And, and also a lot of people expect you to act the way they think that you were acting 10 years ago or five years ago. And, and without realizing it, without them realizing that you're a changed person, not better, not worse, it's just, it's different, you know, and, and that collides, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I remember <laughs> going back home, uh, my brother and my, uh, my sister will, will hate it, my mom will hate it because, you know, when I went back home, I wanted to be with them. I didn't want to be with other people and they wanted to take me, meet somebody, let's go have dinner with these people because they haven't seen you in a while and blah, blah, blah. And so, so it was very hard. It was very hard, but you know, I'm, you. you know, I, I'm happy that um, the that you've been able to figure things out, and you know, because that's a very hard transition to go. So. Absolutely, but I'm I'm looking forward to coming back and training with you and the team, Subi, Marshall. I think you know, this year when it, all this craziness settles down and people start resuming their normal lives. Uh-huh. Um, I think we have a chance to do something very special. And although Blacksburg is Blacksburg, you know, we have a good family over there and, you know, we're going to get shit done. So yeah, and, definitely and something this, to look forward to. Yeah. This is one of the things that I tell when people contact me or they want to come and swim. I said, you know, there's not much in Blacksburg besides the university. It's a college town. There's, I think, 30,000 people in Blacksburg and another 30,000 in Christiansburg. And, but I think I think what's important is if you have a goal, you know, uh, if you have a goal, there's a short, a year of a goal is not that long uh, in, in the scheme of your life. It's a very good place because it's healthy, it's quiet, you can focus. And we have a, actually, like you said, I, I'm, I'm very happy with the group that I have in the sense out of all these years that I've coached postgrads or professional athletes, this is the best group I've ever coached cohesively you know uh doesn't matter how fast they are but it's it's really a pleasure to coach them so i think it makes it easier for everybody to train at a high level so yeah i, have a, I think uh, yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead oh no no sorry you're saying no no i, I was going to say that i, I have a, a, a people that a couple of questions i don't know if you see them in the screen but um but uh, I but, I, I've just been listening to your beautiful voice. I have not been I, looking at the screen. I know I have a beautiful voice. Well, uh, <laughs> I have a great accent. No, but um, you were going to say something after uh, about the group or that we have or anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, I think collectively also, you know, the Texas group that I swam with my freshman, sophomore year was probably the best team atmosphere. I've experienced. Uh, I had great seniors, Kip Darmody, John Murray. Um, they were great examples. Um, and I, I can see very similar things. So 
what I was comfortable with and what I thrived in the most atmosphere wise with the group that we have, we all have our little quirks, but at, at the end of the day, I think as a whole, we mesh together really well. We gel well together. So yeah, absolutely. We got a, we got a really good team on our hands. Now I'm scrolling through these, these questions, my friend, which one uh-huh. would you like to do first? Uh, uh, maybe the first, uh, n- 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 uh, what's Naditi or Naditi? Uh, she asked Nad- about how you, how you, yeah, uh, you wanna, you wanna let me let see. her know how, how you're doing. Yeah, breaker. Well, um, you know, Nadine, it's been hard, and I, I recognize your your handle, and you know, to certain of you haven't heard of Nandini yet. She's very famous amongst the Singapore swim team for her unrelenting support. And, you know, she's just been very kind um, since I can remember. So awesome. I'm very happy to answer this question first. And Nandini, to answer your question, um, it, it's been tough, right, not being in the pool. But at the same time, as um, Sonia, coach over here, has provided me with certain training equipment, you know, that I can use to keep, keep fit outside of the pool. And I think the most important thing for swimming is lung capacity. And she gave us like a, a little Ironman uh, VO2 max simulator or training device that, you know, you breathe in, breathe out into, it takes five minutes to do two sets a day. And it really replicates like a heart rate set in swimming when you're huffing and puffing and controlling that breath. So I mean, take the negatives, take the positive out of the negatives and just understand that everyone around the world is going through a hard time right now. And the most important thing is, yeah, keeping fit. But I think what's more important is staying healthy and, you know, being with your family during a time like this. You know, swimming comes and goes, but you only got one family. So that's my priority. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And, you know, I, I agree with you, man. I think... Uh, I think at this moment in time, you cannot worry about tomorrow. As long as you believe that you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. Enjoy every moment. You know, we always we always complain that we don't have time sometimes uh, to spend with uh, our families, and now we have a lot of time, and it's important. You know, and it's important to be bored, and it's important to argue sometimes. So, like, thanks, thanks, Joseph. Uh, one of my friend coaches that I, I think he was there when you were there, uh, Mark from Germany. He asked, "How do you deal? Uh, how did uh, with the Olympic? Um, hold on. The question is, how did Joe deal with the pressure of the Olympic final?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd say that I knew going to prelim semis and finals, I always had an extra gear or two from the previous swim. So in the morning, 51-4 next to Michael. It was super chill. Um, I knew that qualifying first, I was surprised because you know, it was pretty slow to qualify first. And at night, you know, at 50.6 or 50.7, something like that. And I still qualified first by almost half a second. So I was thinking to myself, you know, this is – the ball's in your court, man. Like this is, this is yours to lose. And I knew that my biggest competitors were going to be Michael, Chad, and Laszlo. And we had a great biomech at the time. His name was uh, Ryan Herodin. And lucky enough for Australian swimming, he's one of their top biomechanists right now. So they really picked up a huge one on that. 
But going back to my point, like Ryan and Sonia broke down everyone's swim that I was concerned about in that Olympic final. I knew Michael, Michael's last 15 was in, was across the board the most consistent. Uh, I knew that Chad had the fastest seven and a half, five to seven and a half meters into the wall um, closing speed faster than anyone else when he puts his head down. Um, and I knew that Laszlo wouldn't take it out too fast, but he could always bring it back. You know, it's a 200 swimmer, just from 4 a.m. So um, as far as endurance, if if you're neck to neck with them going into the last 15, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. So I, I knew how to attack um, the race as a whole, but also my game plan um, kind of fit in with how I wanted to swim and also the best way that I could swim that final go out hard, hold on. And, you know, it's a lot easier to swim when you're out front than trying to come back. And I knew that if I was out front the last with 25 to go, it was going to be over. So I was pretty confident going into that final. Awesome. And uh, here we have Jason, Jason Kalanick. Uh, he says, Hey Jason. Uh, how will, how how has your relationship changed with your parents from bulls to now being the only child? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question. Yeah. Um I would, I would say, you know, my parents sacrificed so much um to put me in bulls. Um business wise, they sacrificed also, you know, traveling, staying together as a married couple because of uh visa stuff. They were only allowed to stay, you know, less than 180 days in the calendar year so like that i didn't understand at that point of time what kind of sacrifices they were making you know and only now that i've matured into into a man looking back and seeing how hard you know money is and also family stuff being apart going back and forth that frequently for you know four years like man i don't know i don't know if i can do that when I have kids, I don't know if, I don't know if I can, you know, sacrifice that much for my child. And I'm sure a lot of parents out there, if, they, if you ask them, if you ask yourselves, honestly, like that's going to be a big question mark also, but seeing, seeing, seeing how much they sacrifice and put on the line for a huge if, right. Winning the Olympics is never a given. It's a massive, massive if like, of course, now I appreciate them even more on a completely different level and I respect them much, much more also because I can finally partially synthesize what they went through. I think that brought us closer when I, when I became mature enough to understand that. Oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. I remember, uh, you know, I remember telling my wife that because she was very nervous about raising the kids and with no experience and she's like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And I told her, it's like, look, we're dysfunctional. You, are, you and me, we're very dysfunctional, and our kids are gonna be dysfunctional. The only thing we can do is work hard and be honest with them. And one day, when they mature, like you said, they'll really appreciate what we've done, you know. And that's the only thing that we can help, you know. And you know, you love your kids unconditionally. And you know, I know your parents did that because I remember your dad. Uh, would come to the pool when he spent six months over there and your mom was six months or three months, whatever it was in Singapore. We had great conversations with your dad. And the most important thing that your dad, and I think I mentioned this to you, 
wanted from you was Sergio, just make sure that my son is a gentleman, you know, and you know, and 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 that that was his goal, you know. And he wanted you to be an Olympic champion and be the best that you can be. But I think the most important thing is that you can become the man of profit, you know, a good a good person that you can help other people. And absolutely. You know, so you 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 know you you have great parents, you know. So I know personally, your parents have helped me more than you can imagine uh, at a personal level with with my family. So I you know. I, I have an appreciation for your parents. Uh, it's huge, you know. Absolutely. Um, They're one of a kind. Yeah. Um, there's, there's I think, a couple. Go ahead, go ahead. I think Echo um, has a question also. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to uh, go up. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Echo asked, what's your breaking point or what makes you decide to push further to qualify at the Olympics? Um. I'm going to assume that's qualify, you know, to push for another Olympics like 2020 or now 2021. And, you know, up to this day after winning in Rio, I still don't fully understand what that means. You know, like in my head, I thought it was going to be like a better feeling or a different feeling than what I actually went through. And <clears throat> from that day until now, there's only one conclusion I can draw from that. And it's, I'm not done um, I'm not ready to be done with swimming and I know that I have a lot left in the tank to perform at a high level, you know, given the ups and downs that happens in every career, but it's all about how you can get back up from them. So the answer to your question in a nutshell is I still see I have huge potential and I'm not done pushing my limits yet. I know that I can do better and that's something that I'm willing to put everything on the line to make sure that I achieve that. So that that's my motivation, understanding that I have more to give to the sport and more boundaries to push on a personal level as well with a more matured mindset. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Um, let's see other questions. Uh, I'm trying to scroll this thing. Uh, can you see them, Joseph? Yep. I think um, Petra Petra Jetty asked a really good question. Also, I think he asked, "What qualities do you think Sergio has that led you back to him?" Well, besides Aww. being <laughs> besides besides being a good-looking guy and you know the Always. biggest teddy bear in the world, <laughs> like I Petra to answer your question, you know. I understand swimming really well, but I need a coach that understands life and understands how to approach different things outside the pool with a certain mindset. And I think Sergio's mindset and my mindset, um, you know, we click. We click on a really fluid level. And that's why I know whenever I swim, I don't want to be having second thoughts or having doubts about why I'm doing this. Right. Like even my strength coach, Clint Martin said, you know, Joe's going to, Joe's willing to do anything to get better. But one thing Joe won't do is you giving him pointless stuff to do or things that he thinks is pointless without you explaining it to him. I think search in a similar way does a really good job at explaining the whys and you put the whys over, 
to me in a very relatable and also what it seems like very attainable way. You know, you put it, you simplify it and we just go for it. There's no need to write down all these fancy notes about stroke count, stroke rate, what happened on my third and a half stroke, like all of that, man, less is more. You know, Eddie Reese's favorite saying, less is more. And it's better to be a smart ass and a dumbass. Those were those were the two those were the two wisest things he'd ever said to me. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, that's why that's what led me back to surge. And also, um, I wasn't really where I wanted to be performance wise. And the one constant I always had was, you know, to end my career with Sergio. Like that's always been a thought in the back of my head. Thanks. Uh, I'm 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 gonna put a sound effect here. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, uh, thanks a lot. Um, I think, I think, uh, I think for me, uh, to me, has always been uh, uh, the reason to swim is you know it's not just to to win. It's like you said before, it's a byproduct of having a good life, you know, and and not good life, uh, a balanced life, you know. And I think, I think. You know, I've, as you know, I've never asked you to come back and train with me uh, until this time that I, we talk because, you know, I felt that maybe now it was time for us to reconnect, you know. I think I've always believed that when I coach high school uh, swimmers, that once they go to college, they're not your swimmers anymore. They're your friends, you know, and you have to care for them uh, as people, you know. So, but thanks a lot, Joe. Mm-hmm. No worries, Serge. Thanks for always being there for me, and I'm excited to see what the future holds. Bigger and better things to leap yeah. on to. Yeah. And also, I think before we end, um, I think it's worth noting there's one more good question over here um, that I just saw. It's from VLXVX6. I don't know what that stands for. It must be a long name. But he, he says, Joe, what role do your assistant coaches play in your preparation? And you know, um, VLX, VX6. <laughs> Before I had an assistant coach named Chris Kubik, um, I would not have thought much of assistant coaches, to be completely honest. It was always, you know, the head coach. I had a very strong relationship with Serge, and it always was, all right, Serge, what are you telling me to do? Because you're my coach. And if anyone else tells me to do something, I'm not going to listen to you because I came here to swim with Sergio Lopez, you know, and not anyone else. So there was always that, that huge disconnect um, in my head of that. But when Chris Kubik showed up, rolled up to pick me up from the airport, bring me to Texas from my recruiting trip, I was thinking, who the hell is this guy? He got, he looks like, he looks like a uh, Rick and Morty. He looks like Rick, you know, like white, white hair, beautiful white hair. Um, great. Very, very, um, good accent, speaks very well. And Chris always balanced Eddie out. You know, Chris always knew when to push and when to pull back a little bit when Eddie maybe got a bit too too lost in the picture at some point, right? Um, a job of an assistant coach is to be like the shadow shogun in the background, controlling or seeing things that the head coach can't see because, you know, he's – He's in the thick of it. He's in the thick of things. 
So to answer your question, very, very important. As important as the head coach, there is no more important or less important role on the team. Everyone has their role to play. And Chris Kubik puts puts on a master class of an assistant coaching job. He's not we didn't really see him as an assistant coach. It was more like one A and one B, you know. Eddie is 1A, Chris is 1B. They were definitely on the same level, but you can see Chris balance Eddie out very well. Like nothing I've seen before. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think like to piggyback on what you said, as a head coach, I've always believed your assistants are very important in the sense that uh, you have to find your assistants and find people that they're uh, either more talented than you uh, and you want to help them out to become good coaches. Or, or people that they're loyal to and that they, they, they just are very good at doing things that you cannot do or you don't want to do, you know? And, you know, I've been very lucky to, to have uh, great assistants through my years, you know? Uh, so I think the assistant coach has a, in, like a very important role in everybody's life. And it's many, many of the successful programs are good because of the assistant coaches, you know, so uh, Absolutely. You're, you're, you're right. Uh, Chris, Chris is a class act man, you know, like he was, uh, you know, I, I knew him for a long, long time. You know, I don't know if I t- ever told you, but I think I told you, I always wanted to swim for Eddie, you know, when I went to transfer from Indiana, my top school was uh, Texas. And I really, really enjoyed both of them, Eddie and, and Chris. So that's awesome. Absolutely. I think we've been for an hour here, so we're going to stop this thing, I guess. Do you have anything else that you want to share with everybody? Ah, I think we covered covered everything that we set out to cover today. It was a great talk. Um, Very interesting, very informative. I always have fun chatting with you, my friend. Uh, Well, thanks a lot. You know, I think think, uh, people that join in hopefully got uh, uh, some good insight about things and uh, like you said it many times and I believe that 100% everything's a lot more simple than you think you know and the most important thing is like Joe said is just become a, a good person and understand uh, you know how to do things without complicating things you know and they, they, for the mm-hmm. coaches that are listening out there uh, that's the key you know if you start complicating things as human beings we if we don't realize how simple life is and we just have a, have a, a PhD on making things complicated. So <laughs> no, it, it is true, you know. Um, it is. So I thank you very much, Joe, um, and for being um, with me and with the people here and chatting. And maybe, maybe in, in the, you know, in a few months we can do another one and we can tell them how the training Absolutely. is going and all that stuff. You take care of yourself. Say hi. To. Say hi to your girlfriend and your parents. And and yeah. thanks a lot, man. I let will. me, let, let me I... see if I have an audio audio effect. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> mom and dad, mom and dad send their love as well. Told me to give oh, you yeah. a big hug over awesome. over the internet. So I'm sending uh-huh. you a huge internet hug right now. Please give one to Sandy and Kobe as well. Uh-huh. Awesome, I will. I think Kobe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you take it easy, okay? Hey, Kobe. All right, sounds good. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for having me on today.
Oh, no, thank you. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Good night. Good night. And this is it for our talk today um, with Joseph. Uh, I really thank you all for uh, for joining. Uh, I'm not sure how many people we had, but um, uh, but yeah, just thanks a lot. I'll try to do more more, more of this. Uh, today we're gonna have another talk with Ryan Murphy. It's around 2:30 my time, so that's four and a half hours from now. And you're more than welcome to join in. And and then next week we're gonna have another one with Santo Condorelli, I think on Monday, and I'll I'll post the time. Uh, Santo Condorelli was a teammate of of Joseph and Ryan Murphy and Caleb Dressel at the Bolt School, and and he's a very interesting guy too, a very good guy, and, and we'll keep going, right? And try to help everybody kill some time and uh, during this this crisis that we're all going through, right? You all take it easy and thank you very much. Right? Have a beautiful day.